0: This is the Glasses by Day Geek By Night podcast episode 18. I'm Matt and today I'm going to be reviewing and moaning about some geeky stuff. So right off the bat if you could give me a follow and a like, even recommend your friends, comments and messages are more than welcome. If you've got something you want me to talk about, let me know. On today's episode I have my top 10 Marvel movies, I talk about why vampires are creepy and my comment to read before you die today is Flashpoint. Today, I'm going to go through my top 10 Marvel films and why. So, this is going down 10 to 1. You know, I could have done a 30, what, 2 to 1, but I kind of thought that might take all day. So, I'm going to just give you my best, alright? Eh? And probably on my next show, I'm going to give you my top 10 worst Marvel films, okay? So, in at number 10, I have Doctor Strange, okay? Yeah, so I thought the first film was brilliant. I thought it it did something completely different than what we were used to. It was mind bending. The mirror world stuff, the mirror stuff. It it was it was, it was brilliant. Alright, yeah? and I think Benedict Cumberbatch is pretty decent Doctor Strange, okay? We you know, the less we say about his more recent film, the better. Multiverse of Madness was a pile of garbage and deserves to be destroyed. You know, stepped on, shit on. And, you yeah, like, just put in some sort of, you know, like, box and thrown into the ocean. And anyway, so the idea is Doctor Strange, you know, crippled his hands because he was an arrogant guest and got, got himself crashed and burned in a car. And the idea is... He goes to them, you know. He goes trying to find alternative means to fix himself, okay? Because yeah? it turns out that the probably the only person that could probably fix himself is himself, and he can't do that anymore because his hands are crippled. So the idea is he goes and he um, he ends up becoming part of this, you know, what can only be described as almost a cult kind of thing. But they're magical, and I just think it's just a it's just a great film. I just think that you know the idea of magic within you know the mcu hadn't really been done before thor had like kind of grazed upon it but it was more made out that it was science than actual magic and stuff like that whereas doctor strange it's magic it's you know warping reality it's manipulating the mystical forces he has a flying cape. And his cape actually What I love about it is the cape actually has an attitude. It actually it actually does some acting. Alright. So I kind of feel like that is pretty brilliant, isn't it. Benedict Wong is brilliant as Wong. Alright. And what I love about Wong is though that probably in Doctor Strange, you just think he's more of just a secondary character, but I actually think he was he's been that popular that actually he's become a character in his own right now i kind of feel like comic wise he was always a bit shite right? he was all he's basically a, in my eyes always a butler to doctor strange honestly he wasn't anything other than doctor strange's butler to me and i kind of feel like wong for the mcu is he's he's what is he? he's sorcery supreme at the moment like and he's turning up in films without come whatsoever i kind of feel like you know i re- i reckon Jib him off, let him have the cape. Do you know what I mean? He can go off and do that third eye thing with Charlie's fur on. because you know, I kind of feel like the fact that Wong wasn't in, you know, you know as much in the uh, multiverse of madness, I kind of feel like he can kind of separate himself from it. And we could just have him as the Sorcerer Supreme. He could be Dr. Wong and he he could do it all. I don't think we need Doctor Strange anymore. That said, the film is brilliant. We've got Rachel McAdam as, um, what was it, Christine Palmer, and a love interest in him. Yeah, she didn't particularly bother me in this film. I kind of feel like, you know, sometimes they put a love interest in, and it's just a bit like, okay, he didn't really bring anything to it. She It's not that she didn't bring anything to it, just meh. Um, I think one thing that really you know, divided people was Tilda Swinton as the ancient one being a very, 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 very white woman. Um, I kind of feel like it didn't particularly bother me, but I I am white. So, you know, would it bother me if they made a particularly white character, black or Asian? Not especially if it added to the story, but I kind of feel like I can see where people are coming from. I actually think she did a good job. Um, we had, um, I'm not even going to try and you know butcher his name, so I'm just going to call him whoever played Mordo, um, because he has a name that I probably can't pronounce. I'm going to go with it. Chouet El Ejoah for. Yeah, I, it's, I wouldn't mind. I know the guy. I just can't think how you say his name. Do you know what I mean? But he was brilliant in it, and he's been brilliant since then as well. Uh, he was probably one of the better things to come out of Multiverse of Madness. Um, yeah. Other than that, we have, what, Mads Mads Mikkelsen, and I actually think he's a pretty decent um, villain. What is it? Um, Caseless, or Caseless? Yeah, I'm gonna go with it. Yeah, brilliant villain. Does Does the dark side pretty well. Yeah, so yeah, I think, um, Doctor Strange, I know it probably could be further up the list, but I've got other films that I like much, much better. In at number nine, I have Guardians of the Galaxy, and probably people are thinking, why is Guardians of the Galaxy not higher? It's because I like films better than this. All right? And I like Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't actually... I haven't seen the third one, in fact, because the second one, I watched I watched like half hour of it, and I just couldn't get into it. So, yeah, I will watch it. Everyone says that I'm missing out, and I will get to it, but Guardians of the Galaxy, to me, was a brilliant film. It did something that MCU just wasn't doing. Just like Doctor Strange, it was something completely devoid of actual superheroes. It was, it was just beings from other planets, rather than superhuman beings on Earth. And I like the space travel, I like the comedy aspect to it, I think you yeah, know, other, other films brought in the comedy aspects first, but I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy, it, it really went for it, and I do like the, um, what, the dance battle to save the universe, I, I really do like that, do you know what I mean, um, Chris, um Chris Pratt, I think is actually pretty good in it, alright, uh, I'm, I'm not his biggest fan, I, I kind of feel like he's really funny, but, I, I'd love to see him in a serious, serious role, kind of thing, Um I haven't, you know, pushed myself to watch any of the Jurassic Park stuff um, since the third film back in the day. And I kind of feel like the third film let me down enough. So uh, that's probably why. Guardians of the Galaxy there is a good film. It's got great cast. Zoe Saldana as Gamora, Vin Diesel as Groot, which I never really got. I kind of feel like it... it Is he actually there on set? I can never actually get my idea in my head around this. Is he there on set or is he just the voice? Because I feel like anyone... anyone, I can't do it particularly, but I'm sure that there are plenty of people that can do a group voice. Do you know what I mean? We've got um, Karen Gillan as Nebula. Dave Batista as Drax the Destroyer. I think Dave Batista is brilliant in it. I think wrestler-wise, he's so underrated. And yeah, he just deserves a lot, lot more... You know props than what he gets. Um, we've got Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon, and I think voice wise, he does a pretty decent voice. And I love the relationship between him and Groot. Groot dying, well, technically dying at the end of it is, uh, or what being reborn? Uh, how how would you even describe that? Anyway. It is a good film and it's definitely worth a watch. Um, in at number eight we have Thor. And I feel like Thor's one of them. It was part of what was it? Phase, it was phase one, Thor, wasn't it? And it was just It was so funny from the start. Alright, yeah. It's probably one of the films that I've yeah, like Natalie Portman annoys me. She does annoy me, but I let her off the Thor. And I let her off for the Star Wars franchise, if I'm honest, except for Phantom Menace. Um, Although, you know, I kind of think they did her a little bit dirty. Because, what, she, like, 15 and went after this 10-year-old. It was a bit weird. Anyway, so I kind of feel like um, you've got Anthony Hopkins, Odin. I feel like that was, like, a match made in heaven. It was, like, they couldn't have picked anyone better for it. Chris Hemsworth... He is Thor. Um, his hair in the first film is bloody awful. Don't get me wrong. It's like glued to his head. But um, brilliant. And then obviously we've got Hiddleston as Loki. And he's still doing it well now. We've got Jamie Alexander playing Lady Safe. You've got what? Just Alice as Vandral. I know that they changed him up in the second film. I get that. Um, we've got... Um, uh, danobo asano as hogan and, if, and obviously the late great ray stevenson as Volstag. Um i think they were brilliant in it as well Vol- <laughs> ray stevenson especially is really good in it as as Volstag. you've got Renny russo as frigga you know idris elba as heimdale you know it's a great cast you've also you've got clark gregg in there as agent coulson you even have um, a cameo from what's his face, um, Hawkeye, um, Jeremy Renner. And I just think it's just a great film. It, it like sets up the Avengers film pretty well with the, um, Tesseract falling into the hands of, um, Loki and, you know, um, he's got inside uh, what's his name so, uh, Eric Selvig's head and he's manipulating him into doing his bidding it it's just a great film um I love when he gets sent to earth I love the fact that he's powerless I love the fact that it's it's a redemption story almost it's him learning that you know he is not his power it's it's him who is Thor you know the power doesn't make him Thor, it's him. I know, I, I do like that. And a um, good final battle in the end, destroying the Rainbow Bridge. I think it's just a great film. In at number seven, I have Iron Man. This for me is my first insight into the MCU. I know everyone could say that The Incredible Hulk was the first one, and it might have been, but the Edward Norton one was garbage for me as well. Iron Man, on the other hand, RDJ is brilliant. He is Tony Stark. Uh, you know just a great story i love you know even you know terence howard in the role as um roadie and uh, he, he isn't roadie to me but i kind of feel like he he've maybe done dirty and all that but i kind of feel like he he did a good job jeff bridges is brilliant you know, Obadiah, Obadiah Stein. Um We've got Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Pot. Not a great fan of Gwyneth Paltrow, but she plays a good pe- Pepper Pot. John Favreau, Happy Hogan, brilliant. And still brilliant now, in fact, alright. Yeah, I think his um, No Way Home cameos kind of thing. I say cameo, is in it. It's not a cameo, is he? I think, you yeah, know, him telling Peter to run kind of thing. Yeah, br- brilliant scene. Definitely, definitely should still be part of the universe. Do I think that they should have killed off Robert Downey Jr. in Endgame? Absolutely not. I think they've done themselves a disjustice. I kind of feel like... um, If if you're going to end the whole thing there, fair enough. But I kind of feel like to take him out of play, to take Cap out of play by making him an old man and then putting Thor in this weird... I've got a child now... Kind of thing in space... And you know... I do weird... You know... Funny space shit with... You know... I just think it it just didn't need to happen... I kind of feel like... You've taken out your big three... And left us without a big three... Or any Avengers kind of thing... I kind of feel like... The MCU lost its way a little bit... Iron Man on the other hand is a brilliant film... It's great story... Yeah, you know, great, great CGI. Considering what was it, two thousand eight? Iron Man came out. It's you know, I kind of feel like you know, just I know he has it. He does have a kill count as well, and I, I quite like that that they don't shy away from the fact that Iron Man does kill people. You know, he's not he's not trying to not harm them. I kind of feel like most superhero films don't even think about the kill count anymore. How many people? Are, even Superman you know, in Man of Steel, you know, in Batman vs Superman, he didn't exactly hold back. He he did kill those terrorists, I am sure of it. Um, yeah, anyway, I am on great film, definitely worth a watch. In at number six, I have Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, and, and I put this in there because I think everyone thought since um, Chadwick Boseman died that it was it was just going to be a garbage film, and it just wasn't. It was it was a great film, and I kind of feel like they handled Chadwick's passing. So well that it probably deserves to be higher up the list. You know, it's ju- it's just a good film. Letitia Wright stepping into her brother's footsteps as um, Shuri as the Black Panther. I thought it worked for me. Uh, there are a couple of things that didn't work for me. I wasn't keen on the look of Namor. So and and that has nothing to do with this Tenoch um, Huertas legal problems that he's got. Although i don't understand all this shit that they get up to behind closed doors well i'm not even sure if it's behind closed doors all the time um killmonger comes back in the uh, in the vision scenes and i think michael b jordan does a good job um it's a shame that he's you know you know not in it anymore to a certain extent i know he's dead you know um it's just a shame um we have Winston Duke as Mbako. Uh, he's always great in it. He's definitely always worth for watch. Um what is it Denai uh, Kurira um as Akoye. She's great in it. Just just a great cast. Um we have Angela Bassett. You know, leading the way as she does. Um, although I've, <laughs> I, I watched what did they switch on um, was it a vampire in Brooklyn or something they were there I did not realise that she was in it whatsoever but um, I stand corrected um, yeah the Namor thing I, I didn't like all the you know the nose stuff and the big earrings and stuff like that I enjoyed the fight scenes I thought the fight scenes were good between the Atlanteans and the uh, Wakandans um, I love when Namor and the Atlanteans um, invade Wakanda. I think it's a great film. What I didn't... who did, I hated Ironheart in it. I just think... It, it, I'm not sure if it was the actress, this Dominique Thorne. I, I'm not sure if she wrote very well. It just it, it, didn't need to be in it for me. I kind of feel like it was like, oh, we'll just search for another black character to put in. You know, a black character, you know. Anyone with African kind of you know roots in some way, shape or form. Martin Freeman's back in it as um Ross. I think he does a good job. I think um Yeah. Solid in it. Definitely definitely deserving of being there. I think he play he's played a decent role in everything that he's done. No, it's got a it's got a, more positives than negatives. It's a good film and I think she does yeah, you know, does the film justice in at number five i have avengers infinity war and what i love about avengers infinity war is though that it's you know i kind of feel like it's a thor movie i kind of feel like it's thor on his redemption arc him turning up to wakanda is probably one of my favorite things within the marvel universe i think him turning up you know Bruce Banner going, you're so screwed now, and him running towards the, um, what they, what are, they, what are they? they? They're not Chitauri, are they? Whatever they are, they're beast things, anyway. And he's going, bring me Thanos. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant scene. And shame he didn't go for the head, I get that, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and what I love about it is that, that they weren't afraid to just, like, decimate the universe take half of the population of the universe out of it altogether. yeah i think obviously they had avengers said uh, they had captain america civil war and they 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 tried bringing in as many characters as possible in that and i think it worked i'm probably one of the one of the people that actually liked civil war i enjoyed it brings us tom holland spider-man for the first time and all that but I kind of feel like Avengers Avengers: Infinity War just took it to an, the next level. I love the fight in New York between Iron Man um, and. What, what is, what's his name? What is it? Uh, Ebony Moore. Uh, Ebony Moore and Club Siding. And I think that fight between them is brilliant. Um, Doctor Strange gets his ass kicked. They tries to use the Time Stone. Um, Spidey gets taken into space. You know. I do I do like all the little easter eggs in it. And I think it's a good film. I, You know what? The Guardians. You know. I know that they're in it. It was just. I, I think because I'm not the biggest Guardians fan from the second film. I'm just a bit like. I didn't really care. When Gamora got killed. I just wasn't that bothered. Honestly. I kind of thought. I'd be much more bothered if they. You know. It was one of. One of the better characters. Honestly. I kind of feel like. You know. Oh ah, well, bye, <laughs> do you know what I mean I kind of feel like I just wasn't that bothered by it Infinity War though is a great film and it definitely deserves it probably deserves to be higher but the issue we've got is I've got other films that I like better, so in at number 4 I have Spider-Man and No Way Home and yeah, what can we say about this film it's like nostalgia completely and utterly the fact that you can get Willem Dafoe back, you know Doc Ock, you've you've got the Goblin Doc Ock, you have Electro Jamie Foxx, and I kinda of feel like you know, it's not his fault that he wrote badly, you know. I kind of feel like the the fit you know what, Amazing Spider Man isn't on the list because 'cause I'm talking about MCU films rather than Marvel films, but I actually like the I like you know, the Amazing Spider Man franchise. And actually I actually think you know, other than Electra not being a great villain in it, I think uh, the film itself has got great visuals and probably one of the best Spider-Man visuals in my eyes, you know, him web slinging around New York in the very beginning of it of Amazing Spider-Man 2 is probably one of the best live action Spider-Man swings that I've seen, so anyway back to spider-man no way home so we have electro we have sandman i know that sandman te- you know he technically wasn't in it and they used some old you know old footage of him and stuff like that there's a lot of cgi and old voice notes and stuff i don't know and even um they did the same with the lizard as well i think they did they even credit reese, reese Evans, for it i don't know anyway um yeah, I think Willem Defoe in it is brilliant, you yeah, know, Aunt May, ugh. probably, that was a hard death, if I'm honest, yeah, you know, happy shouting for Peter to, to run, you yeah. know, one character, you know what, I, I'm probably in the minority of people, but I'm not a big fan of Zendaya's, Zendaya's MJ. I just kind of feel like their relationship just came out of like absolutely nothing. They didn't even give them time to be together for long enough for it to even be that asked if Peter, you know, like anything happened to Peter. I kind of feel like what they were together what a day, and then she, you know, everyone found out that he was Spider Man, and then she's Spider Man's girlfriend. And I just kind of feel like it was a bit weak. I kind of feel like they could have given them a little bit time together actually got to know each other, I think Ned's brilliant, and if Ned is not in the next Doctor Strange film, I kind of feel like they're they're doing themselves a disjustice, because, yeah, boy's magic, boy used the cape, boy opened portals, boy's magic, boy could do with being an apprentice of Doctor Strange, in some way, I'm sure that there's, you know, like a Doctor Strange Academy comic out there, I'm sure of it, do you know what I mean, um, yeah, what can we say? Andrew Garfield. Toby Maguire. What more did we want? I kinda feel like I, I took my daughter to see this and even she was excited when they showed when they showed up. So I kinda feel like and she's only watched those films a couple of times and I do. I think it was it was brilliant. I do think Andrew Garfield, yeah, upped his stock as Spider Man in those films as well. Right anyway, back to, oh, you know what, I'll just say about the ending of um, No Way Home, I kind of feel like they've got Spidey back to his his roots, he is he's not a big level he's, he's not the high level guy, he's, he's street level they're going to get him back to that, he's making his own costume now, his own web shooters you know, I kind of feel like they've separated him from absolutely everyone so all he has now is Spider-Man, so I kind of feel like he'll be out there, he'll be doing more for the community and all that, I think it's a good way to go in at number 3 I have Black Panther and, you know, what can we say Chadwick Boseman, he, he is he is a legend, it's you know definitely a shame that he can't do any more Black Panther films you know, what can we say other than that, yeah, it plays a great part a great part in um, it Michael B. Jordan's great villain um, you know, and I kind of feel like Michael B. Jordan's character, Killmonger, he, he does have a right to the throne to a certain extent, do you know what I mean? He has a right to, you know, be part of the family, at least. I kind of feel like they threw him away. I love the CGI in it. I love the the new suits and it absorbs kinetic energy and he can rebound it and stuff like that. He, you yeah, know, it's just a good film. Um, I love the, yeah, like the remote control cars or remote control plane things in it and the technology that wakanda brings i think wakanda is stunning one thing i didn't say about thor is um and back at number eight is i think cinematically asgard is absolutely beautiful the way that it was designed everything about it i kind of feel like you don't get that in many films and i feel like you know the MCU especially, especially when they're bringing together, like in Guardians of the Galaxy, when they go to nowhere and stuff like that, and you're flying inside a celestial, I feel like, it, it, cinematically, it's it's beautiful, do you know what I mean? Doctor Strange with the mirrorverse, I I just think all that's beautiful, and it's a shame that CGI is going to shit now, with the Flash movie, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness was garbage for CGI, they're letting themselves down, when you think, what, half these films come out like years and years ago there's just no need in the CGI being garbage whatsoever Um, Black Panther is just a great film and you know, what can we say the only thing I can say is though that they've done him justice with Wakanda forever They they didn't just like ignore it or recast him, although to a certain extent recasting him uh, keeping T'Challa actually in the universe, would that have been better I don't know, I kind of feel like to me would he have wanted it to be recast probably, either way it's done now anyway, right so in at number 2 I have Avengers Endgame so Avengers Endgame, it's, it is a brilliant film, what can we say about it other than the fact that it just brings everyone together and Cap lifting up Milne is probably my second favourite scene of all no, third favourite scene, him picking up Milner and kicking Thanos' ass, but then getting his ass kicked. My th- second, my first one is Thor turning up in, in Wakanda. My second is Cap tightening his shield and walking towards the armada, coming towards him. I think that's just the Cap scene. I kind of feel like Infinity War was a Thor film, whereas Endgame was a Cap and an Iron Man film. Yeah. I kinda of feel like you know, Thor he was um Yeah, you know, he was a bit out of it in that film. He, he he was there, don't get me wrong, but he was more the comedy relief than anything else. Um yeah, Cap walking towards the Armada and then everyone turning up. It just a brilliant idea, brilliant concept. Definitely probably one of the best battles that they could have had. I love the fact that they all still struggle with Thanos. Even Captain Marvel. And I, I know that I, I really hate Captain Marvel. She, Her film would probably be on one of the films that I hate the most out of Marvel films. I hate Brie Larson. I just can't stand her. There's something just wrong about her. So, Ugh. Yeah, I'm going to rename the podcast to the I Hate Brie Larson podcast. I don't think I'll get many, very many hits. Like, But we are, you never know. Anyway, um... Even she has a problem with Thanos. She's as strong as him, probably stronger. You know, can't take him in a fight. Um, And he uses the power stone to knock her, knock her away, knock her out, whatever. One thing that I really dislike about Endgame is the fact that they think that it was. It's when all the the women get together. Like they did it in Infinity War, when um, Scarlet Witch comes down onto the battlefield to you know st- you know stop the you know the big wheelie things and she um, she gets attacked and what's her face um we're um we're black black widow and okay yay. come to her rescue against what was it proxima midnight and i just think that worked it was like she's not alone kind of think that worked but when they did it in endgame it was like i know you know we've got to make it so that you know like it's like they thought i know what what we've got to do is we've got to make it so that the women feel like that they're you know, like needed in it. it i kind of feel like whoever thought that scene the women in the mcu are f- fucking overpowered you know they don't need you to big them up just put them in a scene where they're beating down something huge you know captain marvel you know She's overpowered. You've got Scarlet Witch overpowered. You've got, yeah, you know, like the rest of them can more than hold their own. I just think you're putting them all together, like, oh, yeah, all the women are going to band together just to, you are know, like, you know, save Spider Man and get this, you know, like, this gauntlet to the time machine. I kind of feel like it just, to me, didn't work and it was just so unneeded. It was like, you know, we've got to show the girl power i don't think you need to show the girl power i think the girls are doing that more than more than adequately for themselves scott you know black widow was a badass he's been an avenger since the beginning you don't need to dig up the women they're bigging themselves off i just feel like it was just so unnecessary um robert downey jr i feel like it was a mistake to kill him off it was a good ending for him don't get me wrong but Oh, it's, it's sad when you know they're watching the video and then his daughter's like yeah i want a cheeseburger and happy's like your dad liked cheeseburgers yeah chokes me up that bit um and i kind of feel like yeah the the funeral was good i kind of feel like they kind of you know dissed you know um, black widow and vision a little bit like do you know what i mean a bit unnecessary yeah i will have a funeral for um iron man but not nothing for youtube yeah screw youtube i kind of feel like cap going back in time i think it was it, it was realistic but they'd literally been told that if you do this you're going to cause a branch universe i kind of feel like okay so they just thought i will give cap his happy ending you know doesn't really matter about the universe, though, does it? Do you know what I mean? You're not telling me he didn't step on any butterflies along the way. You know, he, him and Peggy didn't have children or anything like that. You know, w- was he the one who texted himself when Peggy died? You know, I'm just, like, a little bit confused about all that. I, d- I don't know. Although... In Endgame, what I, I think one scene that is absolutely brilliant in it is where Cap and Tony go back to the 1970s. What was it? 1970, I think it is, right before Tony's born. And, you know, Cap sees Peggy. And Tony has a chat with his dad about, you know, being a father and all this. And I think it's a great scene. And it was desperately needed within the MCU. And it's just great. Right. In my number one spot is Captain America: Winter Soldier, and I think action-wise, especially a street level, you know, action, you cannot beat Captain America: Winter Soldier. I think you know the humor in the beginning where he's running, you know, round Washington and he's he's like overtaking what um, Sam about sixteen times on your left. I think is. It is just brilliant kind of thing, and then a king. Or is it on your right? On your left? On your left? On your right? Either way, um, I just think it's just brilliant. I kind of feel like it was. It was one of those things that it was. It was hilarious to watch. Um, Frank Grillo in it. I think he plays a good mercenary. It doesn't particularly do anything that you know, changes up the way that he he does any acting. But he fit in well with this. I think you know him, uh, Cap jumping out of the plane, you know, the heli, the, the Quinjet even, and, you know, getting up on the ship, kicking everyone's ass, you know, it's just a great scene, saving everyone on the ship, great scenes, Um, him, you know, Nick Fury getting shot up and all this, and the, the car chase, getting shot in, in, again, Cap's flat, and it's just a brilliant Brilliant scenes and all that. Um, what I do love is the elevator scene. You know, he he's just been told that you know, like you know, if you hurt my friend, you know, you're going to be in trouble and all this by what's his face, Robert Redford's character, and he's in the he's in the lift. He sees there, you know, everyone getting in and they're sweating and the strike team get in and it's just like him kicking their ass, basically telling everyone, I love that at the beginning, before we get going, would anyone like to get out, and him just kicking everyone's ass, it's just great, yeah, I love the, um, the heli carrier scenes, at the end as well, I just think, him not leaving Bucky, is, you know, exactly what you expect, out of Cap, it's just, yeah, just really, really well written, really well, good cinematography on it, and it's just great, good visuals, um, I think it brought in um, Sam pretty well to the whole thing, um, and then he, he does take his time, like he doesn't even, he, he barely gets a spot in him, um, yeah, he's in it for what, two scenes in um, Age of Ultron, and Age of Ultron, I'm going to give that an honourable mention, by the way, because it's not as bad a film as everyone makes it out to be, I think realistically that first scene where the avengers are fighting together is it was like what we all wanted to see and i kind of feel like that led to stuff like the fighting end game and stuff like that so i'm going to give that an honorable mention anyway so captain america winter soldier I, i love i love the suit yeah like the the darker suit that he wears and stuff like that i just think realistically cap would come back And he would join S.H.I.E.L.D. and he would go on like Black Ops missions and he would lead the team and stuff. I just think just a great film and definitely deserving of being my number one spot. Why is it okay to be a creepy old vampire? So. What I'm going to talk about today is I've 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 been rewatching some vampire-related TV shows. I've I've rewatched Buffy recently. I've re rewatched Angel. I've rewatched the Vampire Diaries and the originals. And I, all I can think every time that I watch them is that I get that these characters in real life are relatively young people. But why do people think that writing in a 200 odd year vampire It's a good idea to put them looking at this 16 year old girl and thinking, you know what? I'm going to get with her. I just don't get it. I just think when you look at Buffy and Angel, I kind of feel like Buffy is, I get that she's the slayer. I get that she's super powered. But realistically, Angel, she is the slayer. She is like predetermined. Like she's like wired to kill vampires. I just think you are a, you you might, you died when you were 26. So, even at 26, you're looking at this 16-year-old girl and you're thinking, oh, she's alright, and not she? Do you know what I mean? You know what? I've got a lot in common with her. What have you got in common with a 16-year-old? When you were 26, you were... No, just not happening. But you're not just 26. You, you might have died when you were 26, but you are a 269-year-old vampire when you laid eyes on her. You waited a year, got yourself a haircut, you know made yourself not look homeless so you're 270 years old when you met 16 year old buffy and actually she was probably only 15 at the time so you know i'm just like you are a nonce it just does not make any sense to you mean it's you know what joss whedon wrote all this as well so i kind of feel like you know he, he decided on this so it it is starting to make sense at least spike was in his mid-20s when he was turned into a vampire And was, what, 140 years old during the series. But, at least when he got with Buffy, she was of age. She was well into uni at this point. You know, realistically, when the show started, she was 16. She was 22 when the show ended. And she was basically, what, 21 when Spike got with her? I kind of feel like that one can be, you know, you can let that one off. The Angel one, I just feel like... was this the thing? Especially back in the day where they thought oh big you know brooding you know teenage girls going out with mid twenties guys is okay. It's just not. It never was. At what point do these old guys think it's acceptable to with after young girls? You know, like I said, at least Spike was you know, she waited till she was of age to get with her. But they've been doing it and everything what You've got the Twilight series. I'm not a fan of the Twilight series. I don't think sparkly vampires, uh, you know, they're shit. They are garbage. Um, And that is probably a a bit of a a faux pas for some people because they love the series. But, you know, someone was talking to me about it recently. And what is it? Edward's like all the way through. He's like, I want to hurt you. I want to destroy you. I want to, you know, all this. And she's like, no, but I want to be with you. And I'm thinking, what kind of message is this sending young girls? But he's basically telling you that he's 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 gonna hurt you in some particular way. And it it's I just think realistically it's it's selling the wrong kind of image. And I kind of feel like that's a relatively you know, what, two files in this film? I kind of feel like these days, could you get away with any of those films? Probably not. I just don't get it. We have the vampire diaries. Okay, yeah, so You've got Damon and Stefan Salvatore. So, Stefan was 10 when he was 17. And he what is a 164-year-old vampire when he meets Elena. And I'm almost letting him and Damon off for this. For the fact that, realistically, this this girl, when he's met her, she looks like the girl who turned him. You know, she is a, she is a doppelganger. So, to be fair, I can kind of almost let off the Salvatore's for going after Elena, you know, realistically, you know, you'd be a bit intrigued, you'd be thinking that it was her, you'd want to know, wouldn't you, and then you'd want to know, why do you look like, the the woman who turned me, um, Damon on the other hand, going after Caroline, halfway through, so Caroline's what, 16, he's supposed to be mid-20s, this is a relatively recent show, and no one batted an eyelid, her mum was the sheriff, it makes no sense, She'd be running background checks. She's just letting him off because he's, what, on the council? That makes no sense whatsoever. Then you've got, what, Klaus Michelson coming in. And he's, what, a thousand years old? And, you know, he's just... He's, he's like, 30. At least 30. There's no way that you'd say he was mid-20s and that. I'm not having it. You know, he's at least 30. And the sheriff is just like, Oh, yeah, just perv over my, like, 17-year-old daughter. That's fine. I just think... At what point does a thousand-year-old vampire who... You know, he's into art, he's travelled the world and all this. what point does he look at the 17-year-old and go... Oh, me and you have got a lot in common. It just doesn't make sense. Okay, yeah? So, I just don't get it. Then we have shows like True Blood. Which, you know... Ugh, kind of went into the more raunchy side of being a vampire and all that jazz. But then you've got like... You know, I kind of feel like at least... When Bill gets with Sucky in in True Blood... Sucky is, what, 25? I know he's 173. But he's not perving after a teenage girl, at least. So, we're going to give him props for that. He's no angel. He doesn't deserve to be on the register or anything like that. Angel on the other hand, pretty sure, deserves to be on the register. You know, there's a lot of good vampire shows and films out there. And I'd say most of them go into this trope where they think it's acceptable for you know, hundreds of years old vampires going after teenagers and I just think realistically it just doesn't need to happen you know, I kind of feel like there's so many other things that they could be doing Um, we have other things like, to be fair, being human from what I can remember that didn't do anything where, you know what was it Aiden Turner's John Mighton, Mitchell. He didn't from what I remember, he never went after anyone that was like a teenager. You know, he ate a lot of people, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I'm pretty sure he was basically after Annie, wasn't he? He was after the ghost. And, you know, I'm pretty sure she was at least mid-twenties at that point. So we'll let him off for that. What else have we got? We've got Blade from Marvel. He never had it away with anyone that was... Too young for him. He do not even think he was that old, to be fair. So we kind of let him off for that. We've got Underworld. She never, what's her face? Was it Celine, was it from Underworld? She never had it away with anyone. You know what I mean? No one too young for her. You know, what's his face? The hybrid guy, what was it Michael? He was, you know, he was of age, well of age. You know, was he a doctor? You know, he's at least in his 30s. Do you know what I mean? kind of feel like you've got all these all these films and then you get all the like the teen drama ones that think you know, like teenagers want to see you know, like want to be going out with a broody 20 something looking vampire. and you know, I just don't get it. I kind of feel like it's an unnecessary trope and hopefully we get out of it. What I want to see is you know one of these teen shows where it's like okay you've got you've got this good looking 20-something looking vampire, and he comes up to this 16-year-old and goes, hey, should we go out for a drink? And she goes, no, get away from me, you nonsense, runs away, do you know what I mean? Road blows their rape whistle, and that would be the end of it. I just kind of feel like, there just doesn't need to be anything other than that. I kind of feel like, why is it that vampires have to be dirty, dirty beggars? It just doesn't have to happen. So I kind of feel like, We need to get out of this trope and make it so that if if you are a vampire, you only go out with vampires of you know like if you're two hundred year old, then you can't really go out with anyone under you know forty, thirty, whatever. Do you know what I mean? I kind of feel like someone who can make the yeah like if they make the yeah the wrong decision, it's it's not you being a dirty nonce, okay? Yeah. So realistically, what we've learned today is vampires do not need to be dirty nonsense. Today's comment to read before you die is Flashpoint. So it was written by the legendary Jeff Johns, penciled by Andy Kubert, and coloured by Sandra Hope. The question that arises with this novel is if you had the power to change something from your past, would you? So Barry Allen has been battling his inner demons since he first rode the lightning back in 1956. Barry crosses a line and it costs the world everything what i love about the story is that it's almost an elseworld story it feels like it happens in a different world entirely to earth one but the fact is that because of barry's meddling in the past this is earth one it's not a mirror world this isn't dc's universe it's not an alternate dc universe reality it is his earth jeff johns is an american comic book writer screenwriter and film and television producer john's work on dc comics characters green lantern aquaman flash and superman it's it's so acclaimed Um, he's co-created um, dc characters same um, like courtney whitmore star girl who was based on his deceased sister yeah um, he's also expanded the greenland mythology adding the new concepts and co-creating numerous characters among the characters of dc and the concepts he's co-created are uh, la freeze the sinestro car Indigo Tribe, Red Lantern Corps, Atrocitus, Black Lantern Corps, Jessica Drews, Hunter Solomon, Tar Pit, Simon Baz, Marsh Miss Martian, and Kate Kane. Yeah, you know, all great characters in their own light, and especially when you're looking at Green Lantern. Um, mythology Um he served as um chief creative officer of dc entertainment from 2010 to 2018 and as president and cco from 2016 to 2018 Um he's the co-founder and former co-chairman of dc films and former co-runner of the dc extended universe until 2018 yeah we're gonna let him off on a, a few things so he he was producer um well, executive producer of Green Lantern in 2011 and Batman, Dawn of Justice, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, uh, Justice League, uh, and I'm kind of not holding against him. I feel like he's probably been under a lot of pressure, do you know what I mean? And I kind of feel like, how could he not have let the Zack Snyder Cut reach the theatres? I'm going to let him off because I think he's a better writer than probably, you know, like, the the code the cco of anything honestly and um, what else he did shazam in 2019 i quite like shazam to be fair birds of prey <sighs> not really a big fan of harley quinn if i'm honest i kind of feel like leave her where she was supposed to be in batman the animated series it didn't need to happen i kind of feel like i'm kind of sick of margot roby yo yeah. <sighs> just i nah, just not interested Um he co-wrote and produced the story for aquaman so, Aquaman was a good film. I stand by Aquaman. And he did write the screenplay for Wonder Woman 1984. You know what? I was just a bit... I'm a bit over Wonder Woman, honestly. And I know it sounds I'm really down on the... You know... The... You know... The Zack Snyder... You know... Universe that you created. To be fair, I, I actually like Batman versus Superman. I like Man of Steel. I like... Uh, I liked Aquaman. I... Yeah, you know, I didn't dislike Wonder Woman. Nineteen Eighty Four, I just feel like was a bit overindulgent kind of thing. It had some great fights in it, and if I'm honest, there was it Christine Wiggs, um, cheetah in it. I actually enjoyed. I thought she was quite good in it, but I don't know. Just Gal Gadot wasn't really bringing anything to the story for me, um, so I'm not gonna. You know, let Jeff Johns take it too badly for some of the filmography that I've just thrown at you so, um, the book is great John's involvement with DC Entertainment as producer, writer and executive producer um, has helped um, turn the DC Extended Universe franchise into the 11th high and grossing, highest grossing film franchise of all time, it wanted to gross over 5.6 billion at global box offices so, <laughs> I can't really give him too much shit for it honestly, Um to be fair, though, his highest grossing film to date is Aquaman, and he wrote and produced it, and it earned over $1.15 billion worldwide, and that, to be fair, out of all the films that have come out, when you think if it's made $5.6 billion, that's like, what, over a fifth? That's, a, what, a fifth of it? Do you know what I mean? I, I think it's the highest grossing DC film to date, so we can't really give him too much problems about that one thing that you've got to say about john's is though that he develops good tv series so he developed the flash for telly titans doom patrol batwoman never watched it but yeah star girl i enjoyed and let's be honest it's based off his dead sister so i kind of feel like that almost makes it even better in my eyes and he's still doing superman and lois now and superman and lois is brilliant it's such a good series it's so well written it's a completely different Superman story than we, that we've seen on the screens before. Um, other work in television includes writing and producing various episodes of Smallville and Arrow. And Smallville was a great series. Arrow lost its way a little bit, but still a good series. Um, In 2018, he stepped down from his executive role at DC Entertainment to open a production company, Mad Ghost Productions. Um, He does continue his work with Warner Brothers on writing and producing films, television and comic books, titles based on an extended DC universe and other DC properties, such as films like Black Adam and Shazam! Fury of the Gods. You know what? Black Adam just did not do it for me whatsoever. I, I just couldn't get into it. It was like an overindulgent film. I kind of feel like... I need a film where The Rock isn't playing The Rock. It's just like blah. Shazam: Fury of the Gods. I actually thought it was an okay film. I, I just feel like it was never gonna do anything. I feel like the universe was already dead at that point, so I feel like that's the problem. And then we've got Aquaman two coming out soon. That's just gonna be like, it, I know it's gonna flop because what they, they I think, feel like they they're doing reshoot. I am sure they're doing reshoots now, do you know what I mean? I am thinking, I get that, yeah, like it's probably shit, but what's the point? just let it go. So Andrew Kubert, um American comic book um, artist, letter and writer. He's the son of Joe Kubert and brother of Adam Kubert. Um they're both artists and um they have the Kubert School of Art. So and um his father founded it. He's taught there and he'd later serve as an instructor there himself. Um at the beginning of his career, he was a letterer for DC Comics. Uh, he went on to illustrate books um, for that company, including Sergeant Rock and Adam Strange. Uh, he went over to Dark Horse Comics. He did Batman versus Predator. Uh, he's worked on Marvel Comics. He's illustrated X-Men, Ultimate Marvel related titles. We know how much that I love Ultimate X-Men that he did. He did Ultimate Iron Man. He's done Uncanny X-Men. Uh, he provided artwork for notable storylines from, eight, for a, such as Age of Apocalypse in 1995. He turned to DC in 2005, where he provided art for storylines such as Batman Cacophony, and whatever happened to the Cape Crusader, uh, Blackest Night, Flashpoint, obviously, and The Dark Knight Three, the Master Race. During his run on Batman, um, with writer Grant Morrison, they co-created the character Damian Wayne. So. He's great as well. So, flashpoint. The story centres around Barry Allen. Not my favourite flash, but what can we do? He's no Wally West. But it is a great story at the same time. So, Barry wakes up, sleeping on the job. He hears there is trouble and goes running. He's pushing past people. The only problem is, he isn't super fast. He isn't super coordinated and he falls. When he raises his head, his mother is there to greet him. Barry's mother has been dead since he was a child. Since the comic came out. And... He is somehow woken up in a world that isn't his own. His mother is alive. The world is about to go to war. Wonder Woman and Aquaman have plunged millions of people into war. No green lanterns from this earth. Batman is just a homicidal criminal. um No one has ever heard of Superman, and the flash has never existed. Barry is powerless in a world he doesn't recognize. The story follows Barry trying to fix what he's accidentally broken. Uh, he makes new friends while trying to regain his powers. Um, which he does in a truly graphic and horrendous way. Char-grilled Barry. Basically, he recreates the, you know, the the accident that gave him his powers in the first place. So, a lot of chemicals and a lightning storm. And, let's just say, he, he has to go through it twice because the first time it doesn't work. He ends up char-grilling himself and then... Um, the second time it works, uh, the art's great. The story is almost how you would expect it to play out, maybe slightly predictable to a certain extent. But I think the beauty of the story is that it was the end of an era for DC. It was the it was the end of my favourite era. I, I think I said at the you know on a previous commentary before you die, I think it was when I was talking about um, Infinite Crisis that that was that era of DC was my. It was the end, it was the start of my favourite run of the Justice League. And I feel like this is my, is the end of my favourite run of the Justice League thus far. Um, so it brought an end to the Justice League, the Justice Society, and the Teen Titans that we knew. And things hadn't been re- rebooted like this since Crisis on Infinite Earths, where they merged their universes. What they did here was when basically Barry has to run back, he has to stop himself from. Um, Stopping the reverse flash from killing his mum, and when he goes back, things aren't how he left it. He's not married anymore, he's accidentally deleted or made new versions of certain characters. My favorite ginger character, Wally West, is gone. And come, you know, when he's back, there's a black kid playing Wally West, and it just didn't work for me because I love the character so much, but you know. Fortunately, we've got the character back now. What can we say? Anyway, so another thing I love about the the book is that it's it's technically an Elseworld story because it gives you a look at certain characters. Like Superman does exist, you know, like in um, in the Flash movie. Yeah, it's not my favorite film of all time, but you know where Sasha Cali they go and rescue her from the um, what was it Russia or whatever? Do you know what I mean? And um, that is basically the Superman story. But he's this skinny guy, he's malnutrition, they've been keeping him underground, away from the sunlight. And you know, he's you know, he's not a hero, he's not a villain, he's just someone who is gonna, you know beat people down now, he's gonna he's gonna show that he he can't be you know mistreated kind of thing when they free him Um, you have shazam where they end up being it's it's billy plus everyone else that, that he lives with and they make up shazam and i think that's a good idea you have victor stone cyborg in it you have batman is thomas wayne so it's a universe where bruce and his mom bruce and martha died in the alley and thomas wayne became the batman and he is kind of homicidal, he's kind of, you know, he uses a gun, you know, he just, really, he's quite happy for Barry to go back and change things, to be fair. It, it's just a great story, I, I love the, the war idea between Aquaman and Wonder Woman, because realistically, they both have nations behind them, they both, you know, there's a flirtation between them, there always has been, and that's the reason why they end up going to war because you know, they end up progressing things in a sexual manner, and then Mera gets herself there or Mira gets herself killed because she confronts Wonder Woman about it, and Wonder Woman kills her. Sending Aquaman into a rage, then you know, you know the world goes to crap after that, honestly. And it just it shows how bad things can get if one or two things were changed, basically. And that's what I quite like about the story. I, I, I like the elseworld feel to it. And it's not just an elseworld feel, though, because realistically we know that this is the main universe now. This is Barry's meddling. Barry using his speed for selfish gains has basically got us to this point. And I, ju- I, I, I love the fact that when he goes back, he he's messed up stuff enough that... Things aren't as he left them. That you know he isn't married anymore. You know he has deleted Wally and stuff like that. And in the end, he's the only one who remembers Wally. And he, uh, it's 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 just a it's just a good story. And it leads into the New Fifty Two, which the New Fifty Two. It's not my cup of tea altogether, but you, you've got to love the the new costumes, the new visuals. I just think. Yeah, realistically that, that run of New 52 did bring it into the 21st century to a certain extent. And this does deserve to be one of the comics that you should read before you die. So, like I said earlier, if you give me a follow or a like, even recommend a friend, comments and messages are more than welcome. If you've got something you want me to talk about, if you've got something that you don't want me to talk about, let me know. So, i have Matt, and this has been the Glasses by Day Geek by Night podcast. Thanks for listening.